talking about godliness, meaning reverence toward God. Holiness is something different. Holiness is like the cultivation of righteousness in your life, becoming more righteous. If you want to know uh, what the end goal is, it's Jesus Christ. We want to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So how does God make us more like Christ? How does he make us more righteous, more holy? How does he do this? He does this through daily devotion, the exercise of godliness, our daily devotion. Let me show you that these two are different. This is what really opened up my eyes. You're in 1 Timothy, so go to the right, go past Hebrews, and go to 2 Peter. You got Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter. Have a little bit of a teaching up front, and then I have some uh, practical applications, uh, some things that are really, really going to be useful. If you write notes, get out a pen, get out a pencil and a piece of paper, and write some of these things down, or go back and listen to the message afterwards. These things at the end of the message, uh, they're practical things that we really need to put into practice. We really do. In the day that we live in, in these latter days, uh, we need to practice this uh, daily devotion of godliness. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. I want you to see here that the two words are not the same in uh, either Peter's writings or in Paul's. And beside this, giving all diligence, Peter says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. How many here know that that's talking about uh, righteousness, righteous living, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. You see, it gets a separate category. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Godliness is in its own separate, unique category. Notice in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 11. 2 Peter 3 And verse 11 says here, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? They're two different things. They're not synonyms. There's a holy manner of life and there is godliness. And I want to show you the distinction between the two of those. Come back to 1 Timothy with me, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then verse 11. Now, what I'm not talking about is a misunderstanding of what holiness is, and it's an emphasis on the exterior. And this has been a great mistake within uh, fundamental churches. It's been a great mistake within the classical Pentecostal movement and in holiness movements such as the Nazarenes to put the emphasis on the exterior. There are some guidelines there in scripture, but that's a very small part of what we're talking about here. Do you think it's going to make you more holy if you dress like Jesus from the first century? Mercy, no. It's not going to make you more holy if you cut your hair like him. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that's deeper than the surface. Now, there should be guidelines on what is modest and immodest. I'm not telling you to throw those things out. But that's not my emphasis here. And my emphasis is not even on the style of music within worship. You'll see. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. 
But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. You see that? That's holiness. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. How many of us know that faith and love are two different things? Patience is different than faith. Godliness is different than righteousness. You see, in Paul's writings, it's the same thing. They're two distinct things. Turn over to 2 Timothy, one more, uh, one or two more. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and then verse 1. I appreciated what a sister said this morning because I feel the same way. She said, I love coming to church on Sunday morning, but I love Sunday school because I just love learning. And she said, I'm enjoying the, uh, the study through the book of Acts right now. And we finished up chapter 1. And she said, I just like the, the learning and comparing scripture to scripture and all of that. And, and she said, I, I love Sunday morning church and I love the preaching, but Sunday school is my favorite. And I said, I felt the same way about church myself when I was attending church and there was somebody else doing the teaching and the preaching. So we're doing a little bit of teaching tonight. Hopefully you don't mind that. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Mercy, is, is that not so? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, Facebook. Boy, nothing else has given people with a self-obsession more of an outlet to be about me, me, me. Did you see what I did today? Did you see what I ate? (laughs) Did you see where I went? I'm going to be here later. Who's going? You know? Me, 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 me. It's the me monster. Oh, my goodness. People are obsessed with themselves in these last days. And uh, that doesn't help you at all, by the way, in the matter of godliness. Now, Facebook can be used for good reasons, too. But I'm telling you, I see a real abuse of just shallow thinking. People saying things, just spouting it off the top of their head, not thinking about what they're saying, not making a good testimony or witness of Christ at all. Liking things, laughing at things that are just flippant and irreverent. Yeah. I uh, saw something today, Beth showed me, and it said something about, it was, it was funny, but it's flippant and it's irreverent. It's something about, uh, you know, skin cells die. Uh, what else did it say? I think it said hair cells die and some other cells die. But why is it fat cells don't die? And, you know, it's funny, right? But they said they must have gotten saved. Jesus saved them. They got eternal life. See, that stuff, man, it's too serious to be talking about that. Like I said this morning, we're talking about people crying out in hell saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And they thought, I was going to heaven is what they thought. And they end up in hell because they were trusting something other than Christ. So that that kind of stuff, eh. But, uh, you know. A lot of worldliness on there. Now, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Now, would you admit... All of those things are unholy, right? Okay, people with all of those unholy traits 
or any variation of, the, of, the, of those traits combined, can still, verse 5, have a form of godliness. You see that? Righteousness is, uh, is, is like holiness. Holiness is the cultivation of righteousness. Righteousness and godliness can be two very different things. This is an extreme example. That is, a person can have a form of godliness. What is godliness? Reverence and, and a devotion to God. They can have a devotion to God, but deny the power thereof. That is, they're not converted, they're not saved, but they have some kind of religious devotion. You say, can that really be? Well, yeah, there's like, like a billion Muslims or something in this world. They pray more than you do. <laughs> not trying to put you down. They pray more than I do a lot of times. Right? Five times a day, um, they'll kill for their God. A lot of us wouldn't even pass out a track for our God. I saw a Muslim one time sitting in a library, and he had his uh, Quran, or maybe it was the Hadith or something, I don't know. But he had it up on this big elaborate like book holder, you know, real nice elaborate book holder that held it up like this so he could just sit at the table and sit there and read. And he's just sitting there turning his pages, moving his bookmark like that. And it was obvious he was a Muslim. You know what? He wasn't ashamed. And after I saw that, I, I don't think it was too long after that, I thought to myself, I want to go in somewhere. <laughs> Just open up my Bible and read. So I went into a Starbucks and opened up my Bible and read my Bible. You know, it's just a silly thing. But you see, there's a, there's a godliness that lacks, that lacks holiness or the cultivation of righteousness. Same thing could be said of people who are nominal Christians. I heard in Germany, this is, this is current uh, statistics, in Germany, a pastor there was being interviewed, and a church planter as well. They said in Germany, this is the land of Martin Luther, the beginnings of the Protestant movement, and uh, Lutheranism. Well, uh, still a large percentage of the country is Lutheran, and I won't get the percentage right, so I'm not going to say it, but let's just say less than half is still Lutheran. So they claim to be that. In other words, they were baptized into it as children. One percent, this I do remember, of those who claim to be Lutheran, still go to the services. That is, there's a whole bunch that are nominal Lutherans, and there's 1% that's practicing Lutherans. So all those Lutherans in that country would have a form of godliness, but deny the power to actually convert you to Jesus Christ and eternal life. So the two things are different. They're separate. Godliness is reverence toward God, a, a devotional life. Can we look at one more? Hold your place in Timothy, and this is what I'm getting at. This is, this is the result of a daily devotion. Look at Psalm chapter 1 with me. You could probably quote it, but Psalm chapter 1, this is what I want. This is my heart's desire, and I know this is what you want too. Psalm 1, this is what I want for any children that the Lord allows me to raise, I want them to know the blessedness of the man that walks with God. Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seed of the scornful, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. My, oh, my, meditating in God's word day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the seat, or rather, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Back before the Lord got a hold of me and soundly converted me to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, I was a songwriter and I liked to play guitar and sing in bars or hotels and uh, just, you know, I was the guy sitting in the corner with his guitar and singing for everybody. I was also a songwriter and I remember writing a song that went something like this and I didn't realize how many biblical references it had in it until now. The first verse was, my sinking ship slipped farther from the shore on its own. No passengers aboard. I stood to stand to swallow up my pride, drifting further, breaking through the tide. Please don't let them take my body down below. I've got so much more to do before I go. And the idea of the song was I felt like I was on a sinking ship and I was going to be swallowed down into the sea and I was going to be swallowed up of my own habit of drinking and living for the flesh. And, I, and I, I had a verse in there that said something about uh, careless fool, king of emptiness. That's what Solomon wrote about. He wrote the Proverbs about the fool. And Solomon was the king of emptiness. He said, vanity, vanity. All is vanity. And you know, as a broken sinner who had believed the gospel, but just a prodigal in the far country... I got down on my face after being depressed for two weeks straight and said, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I can't take it anymore. I'm miserable with myself. I can't take it anymore. And you know what happened? If you come back to 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, you know what happened? I began, I began to start to revere God, to be devoted to Jesus Christ, I began the process of daily devotion, and I saw it completely turn my life around, to be like the Psalm 1 experience, to be blessed in my deeds, and eventually to bear fruit. So I, I have some experience with this, but if you'll notice in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, we'll look closer at that, for bodily exercise, okay? Bodily exercise, that's talking about working out, in a gym. The word there is gymnazo and uh, to gymnatize. It's talking about the, the Greeks back in the first century working out. So he says bodily exercise profiteth little. In the Bible times though, people hardly needed to go to the gym. They, there weren't the modern conveniences that we have now. There, you didn't have a microwave oven. You didn't have a dishwasher. You didn't even have the the the, the the clothes washer that my mom had of putting it in the, the big old tub, you know, and, and you could, you could uh, use the, 
the thing there and then put it into the like the thing that you went like that and ran the clothes through there and yeah and then take it out and put it on the clothesline stuff they didn't even have that they were down at the river washing their stuff you can imagine you're gonna be in pretty good shape right you probably didn't need to go to the gym working out in the field and so on and so forth every day you were on search to get your next meal so people did go to the gym though but oftentimes they did it because they were training for sports or athletics and uh, for a lot of them it was just a thing of vanity just uh, to, to look a certain way but he says here bodily exercise profiteth little so there is a little profit to physical exercise it'll add years to your life it'll strengthen your innards there's a good old-fashioned term it'll relax your nerves and it will help with depression and uh, many of you have probably been told by the doctor just as you're getting ready to leave oh yeah exercise more <laughs> no more dairy <laughs> you know something like that uh, you're just gonna throw that on me at the end I heard a comedian say one time but you know it is profitable to exercise a little bit to physical uh, exercise calisthenics can help your body there's there's things that you can do for your soul art music literature reading outside of the Bible is uh, profitable to your soul and then to your spirit uh, Bible reading and prayer there is some profit but he says profiteth little it does help but it only helps temporarily you see because he says but godliness is profitable unto all things He's putting that against bodily exercise. It's profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You see, physical exercise, it won't help you solve the problems of life. It won't help you to develop your character. It won't help you to deepen your spirituality. It won't help to grow your faith. It won't help you walk in victory over sin. The benefits are only temporary. And they're not beneficial to the real problems and needs of our souls and of our lives. It, it won't help eliminate self-obsession and shallow thinking and worldliness. But godliness, godliness is everlasting. It's eternal it benefits for all eternity, and it benefits for all things, and it has a promise attached to it. You know what the promise is? God's method of making us holy is through practicing godliness. Amen? God's method of making us holy. You see, it's not in getting another self-help book, okay? It's not in um, getting the latest teaching DVD that's out or, you know, th there's other things that people are chasing after. It's, it's some of these women's Bible studies. We need a good, solid women's Bible study in this church. It's going to happen eventually. But some of these women's Bible studies, we watched a movie in this church not too long ago, and they had these ladies sitting around a table and, like, doing little paintings and drawings and things like that. And when I saw that, I didn't want to say anything because I, I can always be that guy. I can always find something wrong. But that was completely unprofitable. Nothing in there that was going to help uh, a woman onto godliness. Completely missing the point. It was completely secular 
and worldly, that Bible study that was happening with those women. The same things could be accomplished but could make you Christ-like in the end through real biblical methods of uh, woman's Bible study and godliness. You see, godliness, he says, is profitable unto all things. And notice in verse 9 he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. When Paul says that, he's saying that this right here is very, very important. This is germane. This is one of the great truths. I'd like to do a series, like a sermon series, on the faithful sayings of the Bible. Look how important it is when Paul says this at chapter 1 and verse 15 of First Timothy. When Paul says this, he says it in verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul says it when he's about ready to say a big, major truth. This is a promise that is just as important as your salvation. To learn the practice of godliness, reverence towards God, daily devotion. We should gymnotize, we should work out ourselves spiritually. That means that every bit uh, of our life is dedicated just as those people who go to the gym and dedicate themselves to working out. Just as dedicated as, and disciplined as those people to keep a certain kind of a regimen and a diet. Don't you know that their schedule works around their gym uh, membership? They're either hitting the gym before work or after work, and they'll move things around, and they won't bump their gym time. I know what I'm talking about. My brother was one of these kind of people. I, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't, but he was, and it was like, if you were going to go see my brother, he would say, yeah, but i got to go to the gym, and then I'll see you afterwards. He stuck to it. He did not move that gym time. It was a regimen, and when he got there, there was things he drank. There was a diet he followed. Um, He's very serious about it, very disciplined physically. Paul is saying, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to do the same thing with godliness. Exercise yourself, in verse 7. Rather, unto godliness. This will help us with the issues of Christian happiness and well-being, which is what we all want. Do you have troubles with depression? Or a low sense of self-worth? This is God's answer. This is God's answer. It's not a self-help book. It's not counseling. And it's not drugs. It's practicing the daily devotion of reverence toward God, godliness. And at the very end, I'm I'm just about ready to get to it, the practical uh, how-tos, what I'm talking about, what it looks like on a daily basis. But if you're like me and you have trouble with depression, I need this. We struggle, don't we? We're tested, all of us are. We fail oftentimes in the area of holiness. And tonight, God's giving you and God's giving me the answer. This is what we need. We need to practice. We need to exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. You know, exercise, it's a regular thing. Usually if the doctor tells you to exercise, like they tell me, it's like so many minutes a day, right? I think uh, everybody has probably heard Exercise for 30 minutes a day. 
walk, swim. Swimming's even better, you know. It's a regular thing. So the same principle Paul is saying goes toward the spiritual. It takes commitment. It takes, I am going to do this. You don't just accidentally wake up and, you know, and all of a sudden you're in, you're in good shape. It takes commitment. You see the results, don't you? You'll see the results if you keep it up. Psalm 1 said that you'll bear fruit in season. You will see the results of this if you keep it up on a daily basis. And people who are serious about exercise, they'll lay aside anything that would keep them from reaching their goal. Anything that was a habit that is hindering their goal, they'll get rid of it for their whatever they want to achieve. And Paul said, I bring my body under. So if your body, if this flesh is controlling you, Paul said it shouldn't happen. You've got to bring it under. Paul said, I wouldn't let anything have control of this except my spirit and God's spirit. Bring your body under. And then people who exercise, well, they'll give 100% to it, won't they? Gets harder as you get older, I understand that. But give 100%, right? 110%. Especially, you know, towards the end, and then you have your cool-off time. But exert yourself. Exert yourself. You see, all of these things are part of bodily exercise. Finally, I want to say this. There's the doctrine to it. There's the teaching, and then there's also the duty. What does it look like on a daily basis? This is what we should strive for. This is our sort of a takeaway. This is what it looks like in shoe leather. Devotion is awareness that God is with you. And that he sees you. And he hears you. Could you walk in the presence of the Lord daily? Just keeping in mind, he's with me. He sees me. And he hears me. And don't think that God is always looking at you with a condemning eye, okay? I remember I had, uh, had a guitar student back when I lived in Cambridge. And this little boy, he was ornery. And when I say ornery, I mean ornery. And um, his mom was pretty much a single mom. His dad was all the time out driving truck. And, and the mom would bring, me to, bring him to me to teach him guitar and just to give him something to do. <laughs> and she'd always tell him, she's always telling him, now God's watching you. <laughs> if you look up at her, like, okay. And she's like, and God hears that. And she said that all the time. But you know what? That's a good truth to ingrain into a little mind. God is with you. And we got to walk in the awareness of that. And we've got to walk in the awareness of he is mine and I am his. Amen. I belong to him. I'm a child of the king. That's a wonderful truth. That's sweet, man. That's the sweet stuff. He is mine and I am his. You know what that means, don't you? You know, we send Valentine's at Valentine's Day when you was a little kid. You wrote Everybody wrote a little note to somebody, you know, I like you, do you like me, check yes or no, and have your buddy pass it over to him, you know, and then you're like, can't look at him. And he's, he's yours. He loves you tenderly, and you are his, and that's not going to change. Amen? He is mine, and I am his. And, you know, uh, another thing is to walk in the awareness, this daily devotion, this reverence for God, practicing this, is the awareness that uh, we need to commit our way to him. That's important. If you're going to get serious about exercising, you know, and, man, I need to, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start hiking. 
Um, I have a treadmill and I do that too, but I was talking to my buddy Eddie the other day and I said, Eddie, I'm feeling too old for 42. And he, uh, he said I, he recently got a job as a supervisor in the plant where he works, so he's not the guy doing all the heavy lifting all the time. He's the guy uh, dealing with the, you know, the, the other employees and overseeing the thing. And he said, I feel like I'm getting lazy ever since I became a supervisor. He spends a lot of time at a desk. That's what I'm doing now, and it's not working out too well for me. So threw my back out and took me a week to recover from it. Um, so I've been thinking about this exercise. <coughs> But that means that every day I have to commit myself to saying, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something, you know. And, uh, but you got to commit your way every day to the Lord. Because, listen, if you wake up and you say, no, today I'm not going to commit myself to the Lord, you're pretty much, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're saying, today I'm going to take a day off. No, we don't take a day off from God. So that commitment, that says to God, you're serious. And guess what? He's going to come right on through. That's yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come right on in there and help you through the day. And at the end of the day, you'll have the joy of the Lord and a sweet, calm assurance and peace to your soul when you commit your way to him, though, in the morning. And in confessing your sins along the way, we confess our sins to him. And we just, if we're wrong, we say we're wrong. And then we ask for help to do it, to do better. And ask for help not to do it again. I know what this feels like in the midst of walking with the Lord. I confess that sin and I say, Lord, help me not to do it again. But then there's some part of me that says, you're going to do it again. But then I just say, Lord, help me not to do it again. And uh, give me, make me willing to yield to you in this area. Could be just the smallest thing. Just flying off the handle and saying something you shouldn't have said. Just whatever it is, you know. Confess your sins, ask for help, and that's uh, 1 John 1, 9. Then obey every single impulse of the Spirit, because, guys, this is not the negative stuff. This is why I think I needed this message. This is the pod positive stuff. This is the godliness, the daily devotion. Holiness is saying, this is wrong, and if you're doing this, you're wrong. <laughs> you need to get right with God. <clears throat> that's a lot of the talk about holiness. <clears throat> godliness is positive. It's walking with the Lord every day. It's the natural, well, it's not the natural, but it's the daily experience of the believer obeying every impulse of the Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, heading out the door today, what do you want to do today? Amen? And then when he says, I want you to do this, this act of kindness, this act of mercy, this witness here, speak up, say something here, invite somebody there, uh, say, you, say you love your wife, uh, just, I don't know, thousand things it could possibly but just walk with that awareness that the holy spirit is is going to use me today and then praise him along the way just like we did in church on sunday morning that's just practice i i look for reasons like just sitting down on the porch today on the swing and just for a moment the sun came out and this bird flew by and it was just perfect just there for a moment and my my lawn's all mowed and i just said lord thank you that I get to enjoy all this. I don't deserve it. I know what I deserve. And then just, Lord, I'm just enjoying things right now, enjoying you. Thank you for doing something for me and help me to live for you. Praise him along the way. Thank him. <clears throat> Put him first in thoughts and in ways. And all your thoughts, all your decisions, and all your ways, putting him first, that honors him. You know, meditating on his word day and night. Giving time 
to the Lord, your talents, your treasures, all those things. Being soul conscious. You know, the Lord was soul conscious. Jesus was always thinking about souls. He would go out of his way to be conscious of souls. And sometimes I've heard of women saying that just one day I was working at the counter and this lady came into the store and just somehow she sensed that I had a need and she just grabbed a hold of my hand. She said, I can just tell that today you need prayer. And I don't know what it is that you need prayer for, but I want to pray for you and just breaking down and saying, how did you know? And all this kind of thing. The Lord will use you in those kind of ways. You, you don't know. I mean, it, it's exciting to, to think about this. And to be soul conscious, if, if God has been kind of putting it in the back of your mind, there's somebody you know you're supposed to visit or invite to church, the Lord put that there. So being soul conscious of people and helping them out. And uh, you get started like that, and the Lord says, I got somebody that's willing to work with me here. And he'll put you to work. Can I say this um, in closing? We don't always think like this, but I just wanted to say a few words about it. That's the life of daily devotion. That's why I called it that. And that's what it means to exercise yourself unto godliness. Reverence for God. Just bringing him into the center of your life. Uh, a daily devotion that you walk with the Lord. And that's what we want for our church services. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what we want. Um, with our time, can I say this? I know this is old-fashioned, but I'm trying to get a hold of it in my house, and I have been. Sunday is a day for the Lord. People don't understand why you even have Sunday night service. It's to help us to make the whole day a day for the Lord. That is, we come to Sunday morning church, and it just helps us just get ready for just giving a whole day to our personal relationship and our devotion to God. It's like a, it's a type of heaven. It's a little slice of heaven. The whole day ought to be spent in resting uh, your, your personal devotion with the Lord and whatever that might mean, prayer, Bible study. Uh, it might mean acts of mercies. The Lord on the Sabbath, he healed people. Uh, he said if there's a farmer that's got a sheep in a ditch, wouldn't he get that sheep out of that ditch? Or a cow that's outside of the fence and out in the road on the Sabbath? Sure, act of mercy, take care of your beasts and things like that. It's a day to go witness to people. It's a day to go visit somebody who fell and got hurt or somebody who's just needing some encouragement. It's a day to do those kind of things. And it's a day to even to watch, you know, devotional programs. But it's not a day. It's not a day to go play softball or, you know, uh, to go out on the river w with the guys and go fishing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going out on the river with the guys and going fishing, but you and I both know, unless you're out there to be witness, then I would say that's valid. But you know what I'm talking about. Just profane, carnal, worldly things that have nothing at all to do with the Lord. It's not a day for those kind of things. Like the kids drive by the, we drive by the park and they see the park and they see the kids playing. And I say, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, we belong to the Lord. So we give this day to the Lord. Now you see, I, I start talking about that too much. And I don't want to talk about specifics, but I, it's just like one full day to focus on the Lord. Saturday is family day, as far as I'm concerned, if you can do it. 
Saturday's family day. That's the day to go out on the river, go whatever, go play softball, but not Sunday. Sunday's not the day to mow the grass, you know? Um, now, that's between you and the Lord, okay? We're not under the law, but try it. If you really want help in this area, watch how it strengthens you, because I know it does for me. I get a good book, man, a good devotional book, and read some of that on Sunday. Try doing this at the end of the night, doing a devotion with your wife in the bed, and uh, just getting a book out and saying, we're going to just go through this a chapter at a time. If that's you, if that's the way you are, chapter at a time, something like that. Or just say, hey, let's meet for prayer every Sunday. Let's have our own little prayer meeting. Something like that. And all right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Let's go ahead and bow for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time together. And God, I thank you for uh, just the privilege to be able to walk with you, to be able to talk with you, to know that you're mine and that I belong to you. And Lord, I pray for these folks here and I pray for myself that right now, if they would, in, in good conscience, before you make a commitment that they're going to practice, they're going to exercise themselves unto godliness on a daily basis. Lord, help us. God, we're so weak in our flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Help us daily to practice this, to make a commitment to it, but also to be patient with ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen us, fill us with your spirit. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us through all of these needs that we have, depression, a low sense of self-worth, a loss of sense of purpose or meaning, or just uh, being oppressed by the enemy. I pray that you'd help us with these things. I pray that you'd help us to continue uh, in, in righteousness and in holy living. And, Lord, uh, to practice that as a personal devotion towards you. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God. Help us. I pray for these here that right now are making that commitment to you. I pray that you'd bless them for it and help them in it. Help us to be in the word, praying every day, and those kind of things that you promised. And, Lord, we're, we're claiming your promise that you promised that if we exercise ourselves unto godliness, that that will lead us on in holiness and righteousness and that we can do it. Lord, I pray that you'd bless that one in here that feels so beat up. They feel like they can't even do it. I pray that you'd show them that we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. We thank you for these things now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.